Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon on the Super Talk Radio Network. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. And we thank you for joining us here as we do every afternoon. It's Thursday, and despite all the oddity in the world, Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald will be joining us from New Orleans here in just a little bit. We're about to talk to Sherry Robinson, who is a nurse practitioner with the Jones Family Medical uh, Center and Clinic, about some common sense things uh, you and your family can do as we want to try to share this information uh, with our listeners around the state uh, as much as we can, and at the same time, uh, get away from the stress a little bit and, of course, talk about Southern Miss sports. Luke Johnson, how are you today, sir? Doing excellent, man. Just got me a good lunch. And, uh, yeah, we got uh, some good stuff coming up. We are selecting the all-time uh, all-berry team today. Shortstop uh, is the cat- is the position up for today, and we'll bring that to you a little later in the show. All right, very good. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious food. You still can today. They've got a drive through window. They've got takeout service lined up. You can go to dickies.com. For all the information, and uh, we encourage you to support Dickie's Barbecue and other locally owned restaurants through this difficult time. Also, you can go to supertalk.fm, and there is a web page they're putting up there today that will show you all of the uh, restaurants in the Supertalk family in your area, no matter where you are in the state, and how you can contact them for takeout food and home delivery. All right, Sherry Robinson, as we mentioned, is a nurse practitioner with Jones Family Medicine, and she's been very gracious to join us here on the Eagle Hour. And, uh, Ms. Robinson, I guess you never thought you'd be a guest on a sports talk show. <laughs> you know, I did not, Bob, but, hey, Southern Miss to the top. There you go. Well, we like you even more now. Uh, that's that's great. Okay. Uh, obviously, some a lot of questions to ask you. There's a lot of concern everywhere. Uh, this morning, uh, we update this before we go on the air every day. Now, 485 cases of coronavirus in Mississippi, 108 cases overnight reported, and now we're up to six deaths. Uh, You know, the first thing I want to ask you about is, you know, we kind of lose sight of the fact that other things are going on. People are getting sinus infections. People are sick. First question I wanted to ask you this afternoon is, how can people know the difference between what might be a sinus infection or sinusitis and the onset of this virus that has everyone so concerned? Of course, Bob, and thank you for having us um, on the show today. It's unfortunate that the virus outbreak um, has become so prevalent to the public during the pollen season. Pollen is everywhere, and some of the symptoms do seem to be the same. However, there is a great difference with the virus. The things that we're looking for specifically are a fever, a high fever for an adult above 100.4, a very, very deep cough that is not just like a dry cough in the throat. This is a deep cough coming up from the chest. And then extreme shortness of breath. And when we say shortness of breath, 
We don't mean, hey, I need to lose 10 pounds and I just walked from my car to my door. This is a serious shortness of breath where you have extreme trouble talking or having a conversation and just really struggling to breathe. So those three things we rule out first and then we go from there. It seems so frightening, obviously, to everyone when they hear things like that. But if, if you have if you have what you think is a sinus infection, if, you, if you're ill, you have a stomach flu, you have a lot of things that bring you to Jones Family Medicine and, and other clinics, should you be afraid to go to, to your clinic right now because of concern that you would be exposed to corona? Absolutely not. Um, for Jones, we have six clinics, as you know, in the uh, immediate area. What we're doing currently, Bob, we have all of the clinics open with the exception of two. And that was to ensure that we had enough personal protective equipment to make sure that the safety of the staff, which is extremely important, is covered. What we're currently doing, we ask the patient if they call in, we ask them first about those three things. Do you have those three things? We determine the severity. And after that, once we rule out that it's the COVID-19 virus, you can come into the clinic to the general waiting area. If we have a patient to walk into the clinic and we think there might be a possibility of the COVID-19, there is a special segregated waiting area for those patients, and extreme cases are taken directly into an emergency room. Uh, Here on the campuses, I say emergency room, it's like a larger exam room. Um, We also are doing the drive-through triage, which the patient never has to get out of the car. Uh, We triage them outside, take the chief complaints, do the vitals, and make a decision from there. So wherever people are listening to our show around the state this afternoon, your advice to them is if you feel ill, you contact your health care provider and do not be afraid to go to your local clinic. Absolutely. We are led by the State Department of Health, uh, the CDC. We follow their instructions to the letter. Uh, This is probably one of the cleanest uh, places you can be uh, when you do suspect something going on. But by no means, don't ignore any uh, symptoms at all. Uh, Contact your health care provider, and they will lead you in the right direction as to what they think the diagnosis might be, depending on your chief complaint. Luke Johnson, Sherry Robinson on the Eagle Hour. Sherry, thanks for coming on today, and uh, we we may ask you a sports question at the end, but you've already identified your loyalty with the, hey, to the top that's statement. True. So we, you guys stay safe and keep your hands washed. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. So here's um here's here's my question. We have heard um, so much uh, about the need for respirators attached with this virus. We in Jones County specifically um, haven't had any confirmed cases yet. Uh, you know. From the outside, yes, but no one in Jones County. Just help our listeners understand why there's such a national talk uh, concern for respirators dealing with this virus. Actually, the patients who, um, it has been our experience, patients who have an underlying chronic condition, and what I'm referencing there would be uh, a cardiopulmonary disease, diabetes, uh, heart disease, hypertension, they're more susceptible to viruses and therefore they have a harder time uh, taking care of these viruses on their own. Some might have to have a respirator in order to recover. So in those instances, we would become um, susceptible to being an area that is short 
um, on equipment. But I think going forward, um, all of the medical facilities in our area, we've come up with Plan Bs and Plan As, which may, your Plan B might become your Plan A, um, in order to not lever, let this happen again. Yeah. I and, and that's a, that's a great point you bring up. I, I've been encouraged. I just uh, I, I go online and I, I monitor uh, just and for my own sake the the numbers across the board. The U.S. actually right now has uh, f- almost as many cases as Italy, within four thousand or so. But we've got one seventh of the deaths from this virus, and I think it's because of that the guidelines. And a lot of them are just common sense, but that U.S. health professionals have just driven home again and again and again to the general public. Exactly. Um, social distancing, that is so important. Um, staying away, use this time to be with your family and enjoy each other. Um, if you do have to get out, try to stay six feet away from other people. Um, but one of the most important things that we can't stress to people enough, please keep your hands washed and don't touch your face, especially your eyes, your nose. That's how these things are transmitted. Um, they live on surfaces. So use that hand sanitizer. I know there's a shortage. Um, hand sanitizer, Bob, can be made at home. Get you some aloe vera gel and some isopropyl alcohol and mix it up, and there's your hand sanitizer. Hmm. Here we go. All right, one last question. Sure. There's still people that are not taking this seriously. I read about this every day. I see them at Lowe's. I see, you know, I see the parking lot filled at Lowe's. What advice do you have as a medical professional? We have less than a minute left, but what advice do you have to people that still aren't taking this seriously? Take it seriously. This is a very serious virus for those people who have trouble fighting off um, viruses if their immune system is already compromised. Stay away. Stay home if you don't have to get out. Keep your hands washed and stay inside. All right. Well, look, you you gave us great advice for our listeners around the state. We appreciate that very much. And just to clarify, you are Golden Eagle. Oh, to the top. Okay, because we don't we don't want want those people from the other schools on our show, <laughs> even if they are well, maybe if they're medical professionals, and we really need them. But but uh, we're we're glad to have a Golden Eagle giving us medical advice. So well, thank it's you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you very much, Sherry thank Robinson. You. Everybody from the Jones Family uh, Medicine Clinic. A number of clinics around uh, South Mississippi and really some, I think, good advice and common sense advice, Luke. That's that's what we need. We just need some common sense advice that simple sports talk guys can understand. Caution, calm, common sense. The three C's. There we go. Patrick McGee's next on the sports uh, show. Stay with us. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back to the show. want to thank uh, Sherry Robinson for joining us in the first segment. Good advice on uh, some things you can do to safeguard yourself and uh, 
if you've got sinus hiatus, sinusitis, or w- whatever sinus ailments you might have, uh, good advice on how you can uh, differentiate that uh, from this thing that everybody's so afraid of. So we thank her for being on the show. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. If you don't want to get out, just go to CampusBookmart.net, pick out your Southern Miss swag. They'll deliver it to your house, and that'll brighten your day to get something new with a Southern Miss logo on it. Of course, if you want to go downtown, uh, you can do that. They're on Hardy Street, right across the street from the Southern Miss campus. All right, we're going to uh, find Patrick McGee. We've located Patrick. He's at Ocean Springs. Uh, of course, Patrick with the Biloxi Sun-Herald. And uh, Patrick, talked to you last week. You were in New Orleans taking care of a little business at Ocean Springs, but headed back to the Big Easy later this afternoon. What are things like there, Patrick? We're hearing so much about all the trouble in New Orleans. Yeah, in New Orleans, it has become somewhat of a, a ghost town. Uh, just me and my girlfriend walking down uh, Magazine Street a couple of days ago, just trying to get out of the house and just get some uh, fresh air. I mean, it was dead. I mean, all the businesses were closed and uh, it's a time, you know, it was the middle of the afternoon, usually a time when they're bustling and people are out shopping and, and stuff. And you go down St. Charles on a beautiful Sunday afternoon and there's nobody driving around. It's, uh, I think it's finally sunk in for everybody in that community uh, how serious it is. In New Orleans was always going to be kind of a high risk for something like as contagious as this is. Uh, many people are in gatherings, you know, whether it's Mardi Gras or conventions or uh, basketball games. Uh, New Orleans is a city that likes to get together and celebrate. And, and whenever you get too many people together, and uh, there's maybe one or two people in there that are carrying this virus, it just really is a uh, an environment to where it, it really could spread easily. And obviously, it has done that. Orleans Parish has been one of the hot spots in in, in the uh, in, entire country. I think today we just even had, there was a teenager that died in Louisiana from this. So I think everybody is taking it seriously, and they should take it seriously, no matter what their health status is. Uh, it's in New Orleans. I think it's kind of sunk in, and and I think people in Mississippi need to take heed of, of what's going on just across the state border. It kind of surprised me how many people were out and about in Blakes and Gulfport when I was driving down the beach uh, yesterday evening. And so I, I hope people can really take this seriously. So you're still seeing that down on the Gulf Coast because that's been one of the hotbeds in Mississippi. You're telling us that you still see people out on the beach and ignoring all these warnings. Yeah, and it, I saw an older couple sitting on a public bench uh, sitting there at the beach, and I just wanted, you know, I just shook my head. I mean, what? Right. People have to take precautions. Do not sit on public public benches. Do not uh, do stuff like that. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I know for a lot of people, you know, it maybe hasn't entered their world yet. In other words, they don't have a family member or a close friend with it, but. If we, if we keep ignoring it and, and you know trying to ignore this you know instructions with the CDC, it's going to it's going to be a problem. It's, Mississippi's already number two in the southeast in terms of per capita infections, so uh, mm-hmm. it's got a chance of getting much worse here in the state of Mississippi. Right. All right, Patrick. No sports. You're writing news now. Am I right? <laughs> At the moment, yeah. I'm, I'm efforting a couple of uh, stories that might you know kind of fall under the sports. Umbrella, but it's you know all all those stories are kind of going to have a coronavirus uh, uh, element to it. So yeah, in the last few days, I've kind of focused on news and some other sports stuff that are kind of larger projects you just haven't seen. Like I have to do the all South Mississippi teams for high schools for soccer and, and basketball. So I'm trying to take time and get those done and get those out of the way over the next couple of weeks before I it's a situation where I can't even do them. Right. So 
uh, it's one of those things. It's 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 a weird time to be working in the newspaper industry if you're a sports guy because obviously obviously the uh, the focus is on the coronavirus. I feel sorry for the TV guys in sports. I mean, what the, you know, they usually filled up their time by going out and shooting uh, Biloxi Shokers games or you know high school mm-hmm. baseball games. I mean, there's none of that. So everybody's just trying to fill that gap. Right. All right, I'm going to throw this question out there, then you and Luke both can get involved here, because Luke was obviously a former player, you were a sports writer. Uh, no spring football practice, and I just wonder with the new coaches coming in at Southern Miss and uh, the struggles that the team had this past year, everybody's affected, obviously, but uh, how big a setback will this be for Southern Miss, uh, presuming that they get to play football in the fall? Yeah, I mean, I think it will be a setback because I guess some of the teams were able to get in some sessions here in the spring. Uh, and whenever you have a new offense coordinator, guys changing positions on the staff from offense to defense, defense to offense, uh, this spring was going to be pretty important. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe they open up some little bit more availability between coaches and players uh, during the summer to compensate a little bit for that. I, I think the NCAA should probably look at that. But uh, it's... It's going to be difficult for Southern Miss. Uh, it's not like the offense is going to be that drastic of a change, but still it's, it's going, it was going to be fairly significant. Uh, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the fall camp, considering fall camp goes according to plan. So right. uh, it's it's definitely uh, uh, Southern Miss is going to be a little bit behind some of these other teams that were able to get in some spring practice. All right, Luke, you were for those spring practices. Is this a huge setback? Well, I mean, it's it's a way that you you can create a lot of competition in the spring, and especially like Patrick said, you're bringing in a whole new offensive system, and uh, it, it just allows you to refine fundamentals. I'm with Patrick. I think that if uh, whenever COVID nineteen clears up, uh, the NCAA will look at uh, allowing additional uh, practices. They probably won't allow them to stack them at the end of July. I would think you would space them out a little bit and treat them like OTAs or like the NFL does and and uh, give kids a little break before you really start preseason. But, yeah, I mean, it's detrimental on all fronts, especially those teams that are installing a whole new system. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Luke. Any questions you might have for the professor? All right, Patrick. Um, Pretty cool uh, non-sports activity, and it involves all kinds of sports, but it's a way for involvement when there's nothing on the field. Southern Miss Baseball Twitter handle has been putting together really the all-berry team. So uh, they're choosing every position on the field with a DH um, and three starting pitchers, a reliever, and a closer. Today we're on the shortstops, but so far we picked catcher, first base, and second base. Um, you may have already seen this, but if I were to let me run through and then get your pick on it, and let me tell you what uh, who was chosen. Catcher was chosen uh, on Monday: Cole Donaldson, Chase Fowler, or Chucky Robinson. Yeah, I didn't. I see they picked Chucky Robinson. That's the right right guy, and Robinson. Didn't exactly catch on fire immediately at Southern Miss, but really by the time he was finishing up his time there, he was he had one of the best seasons that for a catcher that Southern Miss has ever had. Uh, you know, whenever he got going, that's really kind of turned proved to be a little bit of a turning point for the team and program. Is just it was just kind of went from there. So Chucky, I think, was a big part uh, played a big part in getting Southern Miss where it's at and that today uh, being able to compete for you know get back in the NC two A tournament. But yeah, Chucky was a clear choice there. I thought. And he applied the infamous tag on Rice to win the conference championship. So uh, Chucky Robinson, without a doubt. First base, Tim Lynch, Hunter Slater, Blake Brown, Dylan Bordeaux. Yeah, I, you know, Bordeaux didn't play first base his whole career, but I, I think that was a clear choice. He was the most impactful player of that group. So, I mean, Hunter Slater was pretty productive for a, 
a long time, but uh, Bordeaux was obviously the better all-around player. Second base uh, yesterday, Isaac Rodriguez, Nick Dawson, Matt Gidry. It was kind of an obvious choice on that one. <laughs> yeah, Gidry kind of ran away with that one. Uh, I think Dawson, maybe his best season came at shortstop, didn't it? Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, yeah. uh, Gidry far and away your second baseman. It kind of helped, too, that Gidry got on base 72 games in a row. You know, that, that kind of <laughs> helps. Um, today with shortstop is kind of one of those same as second base, and then I'll, I'll uh, pitch it to you looking forward to tomorrow. Lee Marcus Boyd, Michael Sterling, B.A. Volmuth. Yeah, that's B.A. I mean, you know, he may have not been the best defensive player among that group, but he was far and away the best offensive player. Uh, he's he's going to be one of the biggest bats in the history of the program, so you got to go with B.A. there. What about Brian Dozier? Well, he, was, well, he, he wasn't an all-berry team. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I got you. Okay. It's just from 2002. That, that yeah, the Brian Anthony looks to uh, to wrap it up. I was thinking about tomorrow, and you might want to throw a third choice in there, but we really hadn't had much competition in these polls. But you, when you're looking at third base, you're talking about Luke Reynolds and Taylor Braley at the same position. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I, I guess they're going to do a starting pitcher thing, too, aren't they, at some point? I don't know how many yeah, how they'll they will. do that. Uh, but uh, it would have to be Braley uh, just because he was able to be so productive over a period of time. I think Reynolds had the best. If you want to narrow it down to one, who had the best individual season between, say, Braley and, and Reynolds, it'd be Reynolds. Uh, but Reynolds was there just the one season, and Braley was so productive there for those two to three seasons. So I think Braley yeah. has to be your guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Taylor Braley is is known in urban legend to be a cheat code for video games. You just put in Taylor Braley, you get whatever you want. Um, so uh, we'll we'll go through it next week when you're on Patrick. Uh, but I, I think you look at it. Walner's going to be a lock for the outfield. Uh, Todd McInnes mm-hmm. and Nick Sandlin have to be locks for the starting pitcher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And feel bad for Gabe Shepard. He probably could have uh, uh, fallen into this group as well if they had finished this season. Uh, as strong as he looked, you know, I think he was going to come back and pitch that weekend, uh, come off the shoulder tonight. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's Sandlin and McKinnis without a doubt. All right, Patrick, we know you don't have any sports to write about, so do you have time to stick around and talk to us a little longer? Yeah, sure. All right, Patrick McGee is uh, in transit. He's in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, as we speak. He'll come back. We'll talk about uh, these guys. These two guys love the Saints, of course. There's always something to talk about in that regard. And uh, maybe a little more baseball talk as well. Eagle Hour continues. The professor's on the show with us. Don't go anywhere. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Thursday Eagle Hour continues. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, home of the 895 lunch they are still serving food you can uh, go through there and pick up uh, a meal and also they have delivery options be sure to check them out on facebook 4th street bar and grill proud sponsor 
of the Eagle Hour. Let me All interject, right, Patrick, let me interject we were, real quick, Luke, real, real quick about that. I went there last night. I picked up some shrimp poor boys for me and my wife. Uh, the food was delicious. It was ready when we got there, and there were so many shrimp in the sandwiches. You had to eat, I don't know, seven or eight shrimp just to get it down to a point you could close the sandwich with all the shrimp. So uh, it was superb. It was very, very good. Uh, I regress. Patrick uh, Patrick Bob's uh, favorite food from 4th Street is a shrimp po' boy. No I'm question. sure there's a couple places on the coast that you could direct him to when he comes down there also. BB's, Notion Springs, that's a good po' boy. Good. And bozos and past Ocean- I, I really like Ocean Springs, man. You know, of course, I grew up learning about Walter Anderson and, and that whole stuff. But Ocean Springs, and I could be totally wrong, and our friends on the coast might correct me, but it's just a just good old, like, sleepy town in a good way. Yeah, I, I like the summers in Ocean Springs. It just has a different vibe to it. You know, going downtown, it's just really laid back. They've done a good job of really keeping up the downtown area. And it's it's really just got it's a special place. I like Bay St. Louis a lot too, but Ocean Springs a little bit more kind of a livable community. A lot more stuff kind of going on year round. They always have something going on downtown. I we we were uh, cut off at the commercial break. We were talking about starting pitching on the All Berry team. Uh, I think it's a given um, that Nick Sandlin would be in there. Todd McInnes would would be in there. But you got a couple options. We'd even tossed out, you know, what would Gabe Shepard look like uh, having pitched the whole year this year. Walker Powell on that list. Kirk McCarty on that list. You got James McMahon who won the Ferris Trophy. Uh, who, who you think might be some candidates for that third spot? I mean, you could even mention Taylor Braley as, as a starting pitcher, as he was. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty clear that McCarty's probably that, that third guy. I think Walker Powell might be right behind him because you're talking about two guys that are really – it'd be kind of interesting to go back and compare their numbers. I think McCarty's probably a little bit better. He got a lot more strikeouts on the mound. So I, I, I think McCarty's your guy. He was really the, the, the ace of that staff for two to three seasons. Yeah, but no we question. we all agreed that Michael Sterling got hit more than any person by pitching There's during no the, doubt about these that. ten years of Scott Barry. <laughs> he, he he must have been the most hated player of the Barry era. I don't know. <laughs> I tell you, Patrick, you're right. McCarty, great pitcher, but boy, it's hard to overlook Walker Powell. You know, he's just yeah. been so consistent. And I, I fair to say, we've we've seen the last of him. Correct. He's he's not going to come back next year. <sighs> It would be tough. I mean, if you're a fifth-year senior, uh, I guess you come, can come back. I mean, why not? Uh, but it would be really difficult. Um, but if he if he wants to play pro baseball, uh, he may have to come back another year and make another case for that. So mm-hmm. that's an, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to have a conversation with these guys. Gidry has said here recently, I hadn't even thought about that. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, guy, especially a guy like Powell has had the. Uh, the Tommy John surgery a couple of times. It may be difficult, but heck, you know, right. we'll just have to find out. I have to tell you guys, when I was coming back from 4th Street last night uh, on my way home, I pulled up into the parking lot and uh, the Pete's all locked up. So sad. I mean, it just that beautiful new field. And uh, heck, Patrick, we had just gotten, we were just beginning to get a roll on when, uh, when this happened, didn't it? Yeah, they were going to have another good season. Uh, it, you know, it was a different team. Uh, but they had enough pitching, and I think the bats were coming along a little bit. You were seeing some pop. Uh, you know, I think they were probably going to be at least the top, one of the top two teams in the conference. Um, I, I, I didn't see why not. Uh, but yeah, it was it was turning into a good season, interesting season because 
everybody had a role to play. Sometimes they did, sometimes they're not. But, you know, usually somebody was picking them up. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lost season. I mean, but for a lot of schools, it, it's a lost season. You know, uh, there's a lot of programs that had a lot of potential. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say who would have been the best team in college baseball this year, but uh, that's just it. I mean, you just it's a season that's really just going to have a, uh, just just the season that didn't happen, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, one season we're hoping we're going to have is the NFL season. So uh, you two guys, y'all, y'all remiss here now as to uh, as to how your Saints did in free agency and, and what we're going to see out of the Hudats this year. Patrick, well, we lost uh, Von yeah, Bell yesterday. That was really the big story on the Saints front. Yeah, I mean, I, but he's a replaceable guy. It's not like I, you know, I didn't go to a game thinking, well, is Von Bell healthy? I, you know, maybe. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's, I'm not too worried about losing him. It's just the picking up of Emmanuel Sanders uh, is a biggie. I know he's kind of a little bit up there in the years. Uh, you no, know, but I mean, he's, he, he, he was so good last year with the 49ers, and I think he's a perfect fit for the Saints. How about the NFC South now with obviously Tom Brady coming in, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you've got uh, – what's that dynamic going to create? I guess the, the NFC South becomes probably the most uh, looked upon or noticed division in football because of Tom Brady. Yeah, well, maybe we won't just only hear about the, the Jets and the Giants and the Patriots for the next few months on ESPN and some of these other networks. Maybe they just shift their uh, operations down to the southeast. Uh, so I mean, you got Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees. Uh, now you got Bridgewater. I mean, it's it's become a little bit of a nightmare if you're a Saints fan to think you got to go up against Brady twice and Bridgewater twice. It's uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be an interesting division. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, every conference, uh, every division game is going to be that much more interesting for Saints fans. Uh, it's you know, Saints you know always hated the. Uh, the Falcons, but now I mean the, the the hatred towards the Buccaneers for Saints fans has just got to be pretty darn intense now that Tom Brady's quarterback. Well, and you guys are forgetting about Matty Ice. Uh, he's a pretty good quarterback himself. So yeah, we, but he's we old. forget about him. He's old. <laughs> so speaking of old, Patrick, we were talking about this. He's, I mean, he's young compared to Tom Brady. Yeah, the, and, and oh, we, I know. Yeah, but he just feels old, you know. Right. Why is Tom Brady coming? to Tampa Bay at age 42 with five Super Bowls. Is he going to be a Jerry Rice in the respect that he just, in the end, you're going to look back and say, you know, he should have retired a couple of years earlier? No, I mean, I think he's got another year or two uh, playing. But, yeah, I, I was I was shocked that he went to Tampa. I mean, I, I know there was a job to step into, and, I mean, there's enough talent there to compete. And look, at least they're changing those ugly uniforms where they don't like get alarm clock numbers on the jerseys out. Right. I I don't know why the heck he went to Tampa. I mean, I get Bob Arians, the uh, head coach who I like. I think he's a good coach. Maybe there's a little bit of a chemistry there uh, between the two guys. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I thought he wanted to go out west mm-hmm. and uh, see a little sunshine. So I was surprised when he went to Tampa. Well, I hear they're going to bring the Dreamsicle uniforms back in Tampa. I read that last night, actually, which was a good-looking uniform if you can get past the orange. Yeah, I'd rather look at that and what they've been wearing. Those are terrible. They're pretty ugly, yeah. This is this is pretty interesting. So Breeze has only faced the Patriots. I can't get a stat against Brady, but you would assume this goes back to 2002. 
Breeze has faced the Patriots three times and or four times. He's three and one. The last, the only loss was the last time they competed against 2013. I was at the 2009 Monday Night Football game. Uh, so Breeze and Brady will face off. Uh, let's see, half as many times as they've faced off in the last 18 years. That's pretty exciting when you begin to think about the NFC South. Yeah, and you would think that's going to be the prime time game that uh, that Sunday, whenever it's on. That's going to be a a really uh, a highly watched ball game. So yeah, it's it it you know those two guys are both ageless. It seems uh, you hope you know Breeze can kind of endure another 16 game season. He had you know the the injury to his hand almost uh, you know allowed him to take a break during the middle of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how he does over a 16 game season at this point Brady hasn't really seemed to lost, lose a whole lot he didn't have much to work with with the Patriots they just didn't look very good as a, as a group uh, so yeah it's, it'll be interesting that either they're going to start aging really fast or they're just going to continue on their freakish uh, pace that they've kept in recent years going to be interesting that's for sure so Brady will be playing in the Superdome we know that right yeah, yeah, uh, one in Tampa, one in the Superdome. Uh, well, you had the line of the day, Patrick, when you uh, said you didn't go to Saints games, worried about that one guy being injured or not or healthy. So uh, <laughs> that's not the case with with uh, old Drew, though, is it? And he'll be back. Yeah, he's a panic attack whenever he's hurt. I mean, it's it's you don't you know whenever Teddy. I mean, that was great to have Teddy there as a backup. I'm right. thinking the Saints are going to find somebody else to right. to plug in there just to give Taysom a chance to get on the field. All right, Patrick. You know when when I. Ahead, when bro. I lived down there, Bob, they called the Causeway. After we won the Super Bowl, they wanted to call it from uh, Covington to Metairie. They wanted to call it the uh, the Breezeway. <laughs> oh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> Patrick, uh, we know you're going back to New Orleans. You stay safe, brother, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next Sunday. I mean, next right. Thursday. Not next sure. Sunday, next Thursday. All right, Patrick <laughs> McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, uh, alive and well and doing good, and we're glad of that. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or online, toyotaofhattiesburg.com. The All-Berry team selecting the shortstop today. Lee Marcus Boyd, Michael Sterling, B.A. Volmuth. There is an opportunity to vote for someone else, but with... 551 votes, B.A. Volmuth leading Bob with 80% of the vote. The Brian Anthony. Brian Anthony, yes, yes. All right, Luke, uh, have you located Kelly? Yeah, he was in Arkansas yesterday, and he has moved up, still in the southeastern part of the United States. He's just north of Bowling Green, Kentucky, at the entrance of Mammoth Cave. Kelly, how is it? It's good, but you know, I started in in Bowling Green there, and uh, and went by 
Western Kentucky, you know, and tried to do a little bit of scouting for Southern Miss, you know, this fall. So I think they they were either having their spring game or it was people's doing uh, social distancing. I'm not sure which. (laughs) (laughs) We hear they're still playing baseball there, Kelly, and it doesn't doesn't violate the 10 people in one area. uh, No, them in Middle Tennessee and uh, UTSA, it's a round robin. (laughs) (laughs) They broke off and formed their own division. Like you said, you think we got problems, man. Well, so, no, but uh, hanging loose, I just saw where, you know, my, I'm a little bit shaken because I just got news from about 100 other guys that I hang out with in Indianapolis that the greatest spectacle in racing has been postponed now. With the Daytona 500? The Indianapolis 500. <laughs> Talladega, baby. Talladega. Talladega. By God, we ain't canceling Talladega. By God. <laughs> we ain't scared of um, no virus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's now they're going to move it to August 23rd. Which is the same, which is the opening weekend of high school football. Um, uh-huh. You know, along along those lines, uh, you know, and other other sports news regarding this mess. And I don't know if you guys may have reported it. But uh, Rob Manfred, you know, commissioner of baseball, is is meeting on a conference call today with uh, the captains of each of the teams or the uh, the union reps from each of the teams, and he's, he's going to tell them that he just doesn't, he doesn't just see a feasible way that they can have a complete season. Um, and so do they want to scrap the season altogether? Wow. Or do they want to play half a season? Um, and really, he's just kind of open to some ideas. And the reason why this, this, this particular decision is so important, in all honesty and in all seriousness, is because if there are players who were waiting to decide whether to have surgeries, Quite honestly, you know, you know, maybe had had some nagging injuries and things like that that could that could be tended to, but they didn't want to have it now for fear they'd miss part of the season. Well, you got a lot of guys, you know, that, that whatever this season, how it's going to develop, will predicate their decision. You know, if if they're not going to play for another, if they're not going to play at all this year, then guys that have would have very serious surgeries could go ahead and have them now and be ready for next year. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's far more. The, the implications are far more than just is there going to be a season because there's a lot of guys that are, like I say, contemplating now on whether to have surgeries based on when they're going to get back to work. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're talking about canceling the Major League Baseball season. I don't guess anything like this has happened since World War II. Am I right about well, that? Well, Scott Boris, the agent, uh, you know, the, the mega agent for a lot of these players, <clears throat> has, has suggested, you know, playing, you know, the World Series in December. Uh, but again, what's problematic about that is you got teams like you know north of the Mason-Dixon line that the weather starts getting pretty ugly about November first, as far as temperatures go and things like that. So I don't think that the players would find that a viable option, and, that, and that's I'm not even sure it's on the table. But that's Boris's idea. Um, so there's just there's just not a lot of good answers here. Um, but you know they they could still they could still have salvage half a season, maybe starting in July at about the all-star break, you know, and essentially play half a year. But boy, oh boy, the, the scheduling gods would be working 24 seven to try to, you know, figure out how that would go down. Mm-hmm. So baseball players with the union may, may be making a decision here today as to, as to what to do with the rest of the season. But again, the Indy 500 has been shelved until August 23rd. So, um, Bob, uh, Bob, you asked about this a little earlier. Tate Reeves and Dr. Dobbs are having a, a 
press conference right now. They're supposed to be outlining the new approach uh, that they will implement. It may, it's a dramatic increase in testing and localized target action based on the data for testing. So okay. all that's happening right now, and we'll be able in the first segment tomorrow to share more okay. of that. But Dr. Dobbs and Governor Reeves right now. All right, Kelly, we're about out of time, about 30 seconds. But how Have you been in the cave? Have you gone in there and seen anything interesting inside the cave? Well, I, I heard I heard a voice come from the cave. It sounded a little bit like Rosie O'Donnell, so I was afraid to go any further. Um, so I just, you know, I get a little bit claustrophobic, and if she and I are both in there together, there can't be a whole lot of extra room. So this would be big mouth, not big foot, that concerns you inside the cave. Well, mammoth, mammoth cave. It'd have to be pretty mammoth for, like, for Rosie to fit in there. To get in Put there, her and so. Oprah in the same one. It could, like, be a Guinness World I'm Record. I'm checking out early. Sort, it's right? been real. And tomorrow, you guys, we may have some word, too, about, uh, you know, more public school uh, athletics as to what, what may happen there. I'm monitoring that situation. Kelly, when are you well, coming home? When you guys tell me it's safe. Oh, okay, okay. So you probably means never. So, right? uh, well, so, in other words, it's up to Luke and I when you come back to Hattiesburg. Man, I am glad you gave us that, though. I am. Totally I'm glad you gave us that go-ahead. Totally at your mercy. All right, go back into camp. Yeah, because we're grilling at your house this afternoon. So <laughs> using just your keep pool, staying up there the whole nine too. yards, Kelly. We really like it out at Cambridge. Well, I can't tell you what that odd smell is coming from my bedroom. <laughs> 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 Go back in the cave, Kelly. All right. Kelly Santer, everybody, at Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. Who knows where he'll be tomorrow? We'll be right here at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.